Yes, hello one, hello all. Welcome to the Politics Mostly podcast. I am your host, Peter Ramirez. No intro music or any other intro things today. Uh, the AC is particularly loud, and I told my roommates I need to cut it for about... I told them 12 minutes, but you know how these podcasts go. I generally start talking and talking and talking. And then, you know, 35 minutes later, I'm like, oh, shit, what the fuck? Um, so I'm going to try to make this quick and put the AC back on so my roommates don't get mad at me. Uh, listen, where have I been? That's a great question. I took a few trips to the hospital, if you can believe it or not. <laughs> um, uh, have a few infections. One got in my liver, made it large, made it fatty, not good. The good news is it's working its way through my system. I am remote working now, which is good. Uh, and I hope to be back at work in a week or two. And uh, it's also good because at one point in the hospital, they thought it could be cancer. So <laughs> uh, it is non-fatal and non-permanent. So I'm very, very happy. Now, why am I doing this podcast? I got two topics today for you guys. Two to- You know what? I was going to do one topic and I was like, you know what? My people... My loyal listeners, all, I was going to say thousands of you. This day, these days, it's like hundreds of you. Um, I have two things I want to talk about. The first thing is, I wrote here in my notes, the creeping nihilism of the American right. That sounds pretty intense. I'm probably not going to put that as like a title of the episode because it's, it's, some people are going to get triggered by that. You know me, I don't want to trigger people. Um, but there is something very anti-American I've noticed going on with the whole gun debate, right? We come out, my first pod since Buffalo, since Uvalde, since Tulsa, since blah, 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 blah. There's so many of them I lose track, mass shootings. And forget the mass shootings, I'm talking the day-to-day gun violence, you know, 40,000, 50,000, whatever it is a year, gun deaths. Now, the, the gun debate's pretty entrenched. Most people are, like, okay with raising the age to 21. A lot of people are okay with not having assault weapons, you know, magazine clips. You know, like, the basic stuff. You're going to get, like, 90% of Democrats and, like, half of Republicans, right? And then nothing happens because the NRA, so. Um, so I was like, you know, what can I offer to the gun debate that hasn't been stated, like, a million times? And... As I was reading recently, it really hit me. And now I understand what I can offer, what I've seen with the gun debate here in America. And I say here in America because for some reason a lot of my listeners are not American. Uh, Welcome to the shit show. Um, So, ignore the train. I'm going to go right through this. The AC needs to be back on ASAP. (laughs) So I, I ran across this study, this poll this past week, it said that 44% of Republicans agreed with the following statement, quote, we have to accept mass gun murder as part of living in a free society. That's new to me. That's very new to me. 44% of Republicans, almost half, are saying, yep, this is just something we have to deal with. Now, of course, they're saying we have to deal with this and we're the only country that does deal with this. So it's saying, you know, that like famous Onion article they post every time there's a mass murder. There's no way to stop this, says nation, only nation where this actually happens. Um, so this caught my eye because I, th- I, 
I just thought, my first thought was, this is so anti-American, right? To me, the whole idea of America is to, like, improve, to constantly get better, to strive towards the ideals. It, it's like giving up and surrendering is the antithesis of the American way, of the American ethos. And when I see pictures of dead kids in school, and then I see report polls that half of Republicans say, oh, this is just something you have to accept, I, I say no. We shouldn't have to accept this. It, it's just so wild to me that they believe in the freedom to bear arms, but they don't realize there's also a freedom not to get shot in the face. That's also a freedom I enjoy. Not getting shot in the face. So there it is. That's that's the main. That was the main thought I had this past week. I, I wanted a very specific take on the gun issues. Because, you know, I can go here and say, oh, for the 10 years from 1994 to 2004 when we had the assault weapons ban, mass murders with assault weapons went down. You know, I could, like, go through stats and shit like that, but what? nothing is going to change. As long as the NRA is there and as long as the Heller decision is there and the federal judiciary is packed with right-wing nutjobs, I, I apologize, but nothing's really going to happen. But I did think that was interesting, that about half of Republicans see dead kids in school and just go, that's part of living in a free society. It's not free to those kids. It's not a free society to the victims, I'll tell you that much. Okay, second story, and then I'm going to get out of here, put the AC back on. I think there's a story in South Dakota. Now, this story actually is going to branch off into two parts. First, first part's going to be a story time with Uncle Petey. There's a story in South Dakota that perfectly encapsulates the GOP experience. What what the Republicans are all about in America. So, uh, Obamacare, right? Part of Obamacare was Medicaid expansion. Medicaid, if you're not familiar, is free health insurance for people who make less than, I think it's like 120% of the federal poverty limit. It's usually about fifteen dollars to $20,000. If you make less than that... Uh, you get Medicaid. It's not particularly great coverage, but you're able to see a, some doctors. Most hospitals take it for like emergency rooms and stuff. And um, you'll get some drugs, but not all the drugs. Um, it, it's just, it's something for people who don't have money. That if they get sick, they can get some help. You're not, the. it's not great coverage. You're not going to have options. You know, you're. They're gonna make you get referrals to see special. You know, they're they're gonna throw a lot of shit at you, but it's something, right? It's something for poor people. Part of Obamacare was they wanted to expand Medicaid to the state level, right? Raise that level. So maybe instead of fifteen thousand dollars, you can make up to twenty three thousand dollars a year and now qualify for Medicaid. And to persuade states to ex accept this expanded Medicaid, I'm trusting that the boring part's almost over. Uh, the federal government was like, hey, we'll pick up most of the tab. I believe, I don't have the numbers in front of me that would require a lot of research. I don't get paid for this podcast, at least not yet. Um, but I'm pretty sure like the first year, 100% that the, the federal government comes in 100%, and then it lowers to like 90%, and then 10% the state picks up, you know, uh, the, the, the tab. Um, so a lot of red states saw this Medicaid expansion, right? And they politely declined. They said, no, thank you. Even though it was mostly free to them. They'd have to pick up some of it, but most of it would be paid for by federal Uncle Sam, not state Uncle Sam. Uh, 
Now, Republicans in South Dakota were one of these states that uh, they don't want poor people to see the doctor if they're sick. Uh, how do I know this? Because if they did, they would have accepted the free Medicaid and when Obamacare started. So South Dakota said, no, thank you. We don't want to expand Medicaid, even though it's mostly free. Fuck the poor people. If you get sick, fuck you. It's your fault you're poor. Um, that's not verbatim, but yeah, that's kind of the message, right? So we're talking about 42,000 South Dakotans that would be eligible for the expanded Medicaid, right? 42,000. Now, that's not insignificant. You could tell me that's half the population of South Dakota, and frankly, I'd believe you. Um, but, you know, the government of South Dakota, instead of helping poor people see the doctor, they'd rather give their money to uh, oil companies, fracking companies, <laughs> right? Subsidize that shit, because that's more important than helping the poor people. Um, let's give it to the polluters instead and let that... Let that methane and wealth trickle on down, baby. <laughs> um, <coughs> okay. So, to recap, South Dakota says no thank you to Medicaid expansion. And what did the people of South Dakota do? They get enough signatures and they get it on the ballot, right? This is a ballot initiative. If you get enough signatures from people who live in a state you can get an issue directly on a ballot, meaning you vote for people in November, and then at the bottom there's questions. And it's like, do you want to expand Medicaid? Yes or no, right? They're very simple. It's like a one-sentence thing. There's a lot of ads leading up to the election to like explain the issue from interest groups on both sides of the issue. And so recently, South Dakota, the people of South Dakota, not particularly liberal people, mind you, uh, were able to get enough signatures that this November there will be a ballot initiative, a yes or no, simple yes or no, a majority wins. It's weird, right? In, in a democracy, the majority would win. Isn't that odd? I feel like that's an odd concept. Um, and it's just a simple, do you want to accept a federally expanded Medicaid, yes or no? So Republicans couldn't have this, right? This is unacceptable. So what Republicans in South Dakota did is they tried to jam another ballot initiative, not in November, but during the primary season recently, last week. And the ballot initiative was, oh, by the way, uh, if any ballot initiative in this state needs 60% of the vote to pass, not just 51% or 50%, right? You actually need 60%. <laughs> and then you had Republicans in South Dakota going on the record, which is so dumb. You don't say the quiet part out loud. They went on the record to the local papers and they said, oh yeah, we, we want to make it harder for Medicaid expansion to pass. So we knew it was on the ballot in November so we tried to get another ballot in June, making it harder for the November ballot to pass. Now, luckily, the people of whatever the fuck Dakota I'm talking about, north or south, they're both irrelevant. But uh, they both should be one state, and then D.C. should be a state, um, or Puerto Rico, or both. Uh, so the, the people of this particular Dakota voted like 70-30 on that sh on that fake ballot initiative about 60 percent they voted it down okay so 
So the um, ballot this November is actually going to be just a simple majority, yes or no, expanded Medicaid access. And I thought, I was like, why, why do I want to talk about this story so much? It's the perfect Republican experience, right? The first part of this is we're not going to help poor people see the doctor because fuck poor people. That's not a subsidy to the gas companies. Why would we spend money on that? And then the second part of the story is when we sense that people, Republicans, right? I mean, it's mostly Republican people in these states. We sense that they're going to vote yes on this. So we're going to change the rules of the game halfway through the game to make it even harder. And the people were like, no, shut the fuck up. <laughs> so it's really the perfect Republican story because they wanted to shaft poor people. And then they tried to change the rules of the game uh, to <laughs> for their own... Uh, for their own ends and goals of fucking the poor people, uh, and they failed. So it's really the perfect Republican experience, and that's why I wanted to talk about it. But now, I told you before I started the story that there was a second part of the story. The second part of the story is I started looking into ballot initiatives, and I think I may have talked about this on a pod like two years ago. But I, ballot initiatives have really like fundamentally changed how I view politics, and that comes from like a very jaded, uh, pessimistic person, um, as you guys know me to be. Uh, so I started looking at because I started looking into Medicaid expansion, right? Like, I you know I read this whole story and then I was like, you know what? Yeah, but it's still a red state. Like, what are the odds they're actually going to pass this? Did you know that every single time? Medicaid expansion has come up on a ballot initiative. It has always passed. It has a 100% pass rate. And I'm about to read you the states that it has passed on. Uh, these are not liberal places. Every state here is fairly conservative. In 2017, Maine passed. Maine isn't super conservative, but it's not super liberal either. 2017, Maine passed Medicaid expansion. This is not did Medicaid expansion get on the ballot. This is did it pass after being on the ballot. 2018, Nebraska, Idaho, Utah, red, red, red. 2020, Missouri, Oklahoma, red, red. So it's this pattern of these red states not accepting free federal money to help poor people. And then poor people and, you know, regular common sense people being like, wait, this is so weird. They're doing this for political reasons. Let's just get this on the ballot and vote. And then it's passing like 75-25 in these red-ass states. Like it's not even a close race. So then I looked more into ballot initiatives, and I realized that legalizing marijuana has also never failed once on the ballot. Once again, in very Republican states as well. Anytime criminal justice stuff comes up, like reducing mandatory minimums, Introducing drug rehab over prison time if you're just a nonviolent drug user. All this stuff does very well on ballot initiatives, especially in red states. And I want to talk about Florida for a second before I go. I'm almost done. Don't worry. <laughs> on the very same ballot that Ron DeSantis beat Andrew Gillum in 2018, it was like by 0.5%, I want to say, 0.6%, something like that. Um... Floridians approved Amendment 4, which restored voting rights to felons. And Amendment 9, 
banning offshore oil and gas drilling. So Amendment 4 passed, I think it's like uh, six, uh, 65%, and Amendment 9 for the no more offshore oil and gas drilling, that passed 69%. Nice. So on the same ballot that the Republican beat the Democrat, you have a 7 out of 10 people voting, I don't want oil and gas drilling off the coast of Florida anymore. Two years later, in 2020, Amendment 2, which increased the minimum wage to 15 an hour in Florida. And once again, 61% of Floridians approve. That was the same ballot where Trump beat Biden, meaning you have a bunch of Trump voters looking at these liberal measures, right? No more oil and gas drilling, uh, raising the minimum wage to $15 an hour, uh, giving ex-felons the right to vote again. I mean, these are liberal policy goals. These are things that blue states have or vote on or want to vote on. And they're doing incredibly well in red states with conservative voters who vote for red politicians. Right? I mean, look at these issues. Medicaid, marijuana, criminal justice reform, banning oil and gas drilling, and raising the minimum wage, and these are all happening in red states. Every state I've mentioned so far today is red, and these are liberal-ass policies, and they're passing easily. This is not 50.2%. This is 70% in some cases. The Democratic brand is toxic in a lot of these places. That's okay. You can't fix it. You can't undo Fox News. Here's the new plan. Get these liberal policy objectives in front of Republican voters in red states because more often than not, they will vote for them because they're popular. That's my new strategy. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Uh, more podcasts soon. Uh, feeling a lot better and looking forward to giving you guys more content. Thanks.